One of the coolest things ever, you know, I go, go to the back at the end of the service and stand there, is watching the kids come out from the back, because they just keep coming and coming, and it's so cool. So uh, I want to start by talking about baby food, because today we're talking about spiritual babies, <laughs> and I started thinking about baby food. I thought about, started thinking about the things we make those kids eat. It's like, what kind of a sick person thinks up those combinations? Then what kind of a sick person actually feeds it to them? <laughs> Sorry, moms. I have, I have a few, few categories here. This is called my favorite baby food combinations, apple and cauliflower. <laughs> That's a favorite. Number two, squash and peaches. Peas and pears. I mean, everybody knows it's peas and carrots, right? <laughs> or peaches and pears, but not peas and pears. Sweet potatoes and prunes. <laughs> Next was sweet potatoes and bananas. I'm going, that one actually sounds good. <laughs> bananas and avocados. Apple and carrot. Sweet potatoes, squash, and peas. Mango and avocado. And then there's kale baby food combinations. Kale, pear, and carrot. Kale and apple, kale and sweet potato, kale, pea, and sweet potato, pear, kale, and cucumber, kale, blueberry, and banana. So it's like, I go, oh, this is, who comes up with this stuff? I, I actually Googled icky child or baby food flavors, and, and all I got was people advertising baby food. It's like they acknowledge up front that it's icky. But, but I did find a website titled 17 Facts About Baby Food That May Give You Nightmares. <laughs> and I only wrote down three of them. One, one of the first flavors of baby food when they started producing baby food was liver soup. <laughs> they said it was the perfect bland flavor, flavor that babies like. But somewhere in the 1950s, they stopped for some reason. I don't know why. Number, number two, or actually this is number 11, baby food is also a great meal for sick ferrets. <laughs> it seems, this is how, what it says, it seems like Gerber's chicken baby food attracted more ferret owners than parents in the last few decades as they claimed it can heal ferrets with health problems better than any medicine can. So you ferret owners out there, and number 17, the go-to first food for Nigerian newborns is fermented corn. <laughs> so fermented corn, I didn't, I mean, I, I guess, I mean, yeah. They call that corn mash, don't they? <laughs> Something like that. Okay. Uh, it's funny that it seems like there is a time when babies will eat almost anything and then there is a time when they will not eat anything that they have not already eaten, right? They, they, there is that time when they will walk, crawl along, and they'll find a, a piece of, I mean, what won't they eat off the carpet, right? If it's, if, that car, if it's on the carpet, they will stick it in their mouth. And then they're, all of a sudden, a light switches, and they go, no, I won't eat it. I've never had it before. And it might be, uh, I don't name anything good. Right? Anything good doesn't matter. They won't have it because they haven't had it before. Babies are really uh, strange the way that works. Unless, of course, you add ketchup. <laughs> uh, and, and you can't get them to eat anything they haven't already tried. And it's not that you can't give them better food. It's that they won't take what you give them. 
right? Because you can offer it to them, you can try, you can do anything you want, but they won't take it, okay? The problem, today, the problem today's passage addresses is that many Christians work exactly that way. They work exactly that way. They, for a while, they will believe anything they're given, and then they won't believe or learn anything they don't already know. And they won't grow, and they refuse to grow, and they refuse to gain ground, and, and it's a problem. Paul says he could not give them... Let me read the passage for you real quickly. Uh, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave... I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly, and are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? It's not that Paul couldn't give them more. It's that they would not take what more he had to give them. He was not able to give them because they would not receive it, because they were still fleshly. He says, he says they are petty and they are acting like mere men. Okay, so verses three, chapter three, verses one and two, they're stuck on baby food. They are stuck on baby food. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but to as, as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able. And we have a contrast between two kinds of Christians, spiritual and the fleshly. The fleshly are, are further described. Fleshly is equal to infants in Christ. Right. Uh, there's a lesson in that comparison, by the way. There are there are natural. Uh, there is a natural growth. There are natural um, periods or stages of growth in, in spiritual lives, just as there are in physical lives. In physical lives, physical life, baby learns to crawl, baby learns to walk. Baby gets into everything not put up above three feet, right? It's just, it's a natural stage of, of, of growth. Every baby does that. Spiritually, baby learn, uh, baby, I'm sorry, still physical. Baby learns to talk. Baby learns to yell. Baby learns to say the most inappropriate thing you ever said at the most inconvenient time. <laughs> what did that baby just say? Where did he learn that, right? Okay, baby learns to ride a bike. Baby learns to drive the car. Baby learns to borrow the car. <laughs> it's natural. It happens. These are, and we look at these and we go, sorry, I'm, I'm looking at this, the, the sliders as I say that. Because <laughs> Josh loves to tell me how well he's driving. So uh, there you go. Anyway, Josh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Spiritual, right? Spiritual. Baby learns to pray. Baby prays for others. Baby seeks God's will in prayer. It's a progression. It's natural. It makes sense. Baby learns to read the Bible. Baby learns to meditate on Scripture. Baby learns to teach. It's a good progression. Baby learns to go to church. Baby learns to support church. Baby learns to serve at church. Right? It's a natural progression. You hear that and you go, that makes sense. Except right now... Some of you might be thinking, he just called me a baby. <laughs> if the booty fits. <laughs> what happens if baby never gets beyond the first step? Or if baby never gets to the first step? Right? What does that mean? 
What if, what if baby never gets beyond insisting, you take care of me? I have needs. It's your job to take care of me. It's funny. I'll have people I've never met come in and say, oh, you're a pastor? Oh, it's your job to do this, or you're supposed to be this way, or something. I'm going, I'm not your pastor, <laughs> right? I don't owe you anything, except the law of love. You know, it's interesting. The fleshly Christian is also called the carnal Christian. And that's the Christian who refuses to grow up. And I've heard people say, maybe you've heard this too, once upon a time as part of a big argument, I would hear people say, there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. I'm going, and my answer has always been, read 1 Corinthians. Read 1 Corinthians. It says that we didn't make up that word. The, the, the word's there. The word carnal is sarcos. It's the word used here, right? It's, it's a fleshly Christian. It's a carnal Christian. Okay, the fleshly Christian is also called the carnal Christian. He's the Christian who refused to, to grow up. And what did we read last week? Chapter 2, verse 14, we read this. Uh, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. And we read about the natural man. And today in chapter 3, verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but to as men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. And it's not the same word, but it's the same idea. The natural man and the man of flesh, they are so similar. The natural man and the man of flesh are so close to the same thing. And they're not the same because the, the men of flesh... Uh, in chapter 3, verse 1, are people who have the ability to be more, but they choose not to. They have the ability to be better. They have the ability to be more, and they're choosing not to. They have their teeth. They could eat meat, but they insist on baby food because it's easier, and it's what they're used to, and they like it. So he says, I gave them milk, not solid food, because it was all they were able to handle. So we need to answer or discuss a question. What is milk and what is solid food? And I could just throw some answers out, and they would sound reasonable, but we can do a little bit better than that. In fact, I'm going to say there's three ways to, we, we can answer. One is looking at other scripture. One is simply using reason, and one is looking for an example. Uh, which is also in Scripture. So the first way, uh, a comparison passage, if you would like to turn to Hebrews chapter 5, we find the other main passage in Scripture that is addressed to infants in the faith, people who would not grow up. And he says a little bit more, more detail here. Hebrews chapter 5, starting at verse 11. And it actually goes down into chapter 6, but we're not going that far. Hebrews chapter 5, let me read verses 11 through 14. Concerning this, we have much to say, since it is, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. And you can see why I call it a comparison passage. You know, when, when we find things in that two passages that are teaching such similar things, just for general understanding, it's called a comparison passage, and they shed light on each other. Right, and, and so this sheds light on the first Corinthian passage, and he describes things. He says, milk is for those not accustomed to the word of righteousness. Right? Milk is for those, those who are not used to having expectations placed on them. Those who do not know what to do with an explanation placed on them. You take, have the small child, you say, go clean up his room. He doesn't know how to clean up his room. He's never done it before. He's never learned. He gets a little older. He learns how to clean up his room. You have expectations on him. You tell him to go clean up the room, right? It's, it's a normal thing. It is, it is a, a 
for those who have gained the ability, right? Milk is for those not accustomed to those those not accustomed to the word of righteousness. Solid food is for those who have trained their senses to detect good and evil. So the solid food is for the person who is looking for right and wrong and wants to do what's right. The person who cares, the person who wants to do better, the person who wants to improve, solid food is for that person. Milk is for the person who says, just give me enough to get me by. Uh, and you, the thing is, is, you need that foundation of milk before you can move on to solid food. You can't walk in and start with solid food. We do go through stages of growth, and that's natural. It's like anything we see in school. You can't walk in and start in ninth grade. You start in kindergarten. You've got to know A, B, and C before you know X plus Y equals Z, right? It's, you go, well, I don't, I don't even, in fact, I still don't see the connection there, but uh, <laughs> uh, that's, that's a different subject. Uh, so the, the first way is this comparison passage in Hebrews. We find he tells us milk is for the, the immature, those who are not accustomed to the word of righteousness. First, they have to do what? Learn the word of righteousness. They have to become accustomed to what God's word actually says. And then, but solid food is for those who have trained themselves to discern good and evil, those who care about and those who are working at becoming better. Solid food is for those. Now, the second way is simply reason. Milk is for immature. Solid is for mature. That's not hard to understand. Uh, Solid food is for those who, who can do more. Milk is for those who cannot handle responsibilities, those who cannot look out for others. Milk is the foundational stuff you need to start growing. But after a while, you know, in Europe they say it's unhealthy for adults to drink milk. I don't know. I have milk now and then. I don't have it regularly. I don't, you know, I'm not a little kid anymore. Mom doesn't make me drink milk so I'll have strong bones. Uh, but once upon a time, that was the way it was because I was young, I was growing, and I drank a lot of milk because that's what you do, right? As you get older, you don't do so much milk. It's foundational. You need it to grow. But once you've grown, then you'd go on to other things, right? You need ABCs before you read. You need to learn truths before you learn to apply them, right? Immature, the, the, the new Christian is learning the truths. As he grows, he learns to apply them in his life. He is growing spiritually, and he is applying because he cares. Okay, that's, that's what the milk does. Meat is for the mature, for those who are looking for ways to live responsibly. Uh, and meat is the application of truth, which brings me to the third way, which I call the example. Turn to John chapter 4. If you'd like to see this, John chapter 4 is the passage uh, of Jesus speaking to the woman at the well, right? And, and in this passage, Jesus is there. Uh, he, 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 he and the disciples are walking through Samaria, and he stays out of town up at this well called Jacob's Well, and he sends the disciples, all 12 of them, down into the Samaritan village to buy food to eat. Okay, so he is alone up at the well. The disciples have all gone down into town, and a woman comes up to draw water. And he has a conversation with her, and over the course of this conversation, she learns that he is the Messiah. She's so excited, she leaves her water bottle and runs down to the town. Okay, the disciples come back up, and they have food, and they have offered him this food, and here's what we find in John chapter 4, verses 31 through 34. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did, did he? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And so they're offering him physical food. He says, don't you understand? I've had food. I've been doing ministry. 
Well, see, I've been chewing some meat. I've been eating some food. I have been doing what God sent me here to do. And he's, I believe, by the way, he still ate. <laughs> it doesn't say he didn't eat. But he's giving them a lesson about what is the difference between meat and milk, of what is the meat that sustains the person in ministry. How does the mature person uh, function? He serves. He is involved in doing things for other people. He is in, and when I say in ministry, I'm not talking about this. You know, we call that the ministry. You know, somebody becomes a pastor, he's, he's in ministry. If somebody becomes a missionary, he's in ministry. The word ministry is a direct translation of the exact same word that means serve, right? That's what a minister is supposed to be doing is serving. Jesus said, I didn't, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for, any, or for, for all. And, and, and the idea is that what he did, we're supposed to do. And we are all supposed to serve in somehow. And when we do that, we are taking meat. We are receiving the meat. We, we are applying God's word in practical ways for the benefit of others. It's what we're supposed to do. That's meat, right? Milk is learning. Meat is doing. Meat is the application of the things we learn. They were, these people were not able to receive solid food. They were not able to receive salt. Let's look at some warnings from scripture. Let's take, take a little detour here real quick. First Timothy, these are all in First Timothy. First and Second Timothy and Titus are what they call the pastoral epistles. They are written to men in ministry. <laughs> Use that word that I was just, just using. Uh, and, and he's giving them to Timothy to describe the people in doing this, what kind of people are involved. So chapter 3, verse 6. Uh, as he's describing the qualifications of an elder... He says, and not a new convert so that he will not become conceited and fall into the, con into the condemnation incurred by the devil. So the first thing he says, not a new convert. Why? Because this guy's got to be ready for the meat. He's got to have established uh, evidence that he is, he is involved, he is mature, that he is, he is beyond milk. He has to be not a new convert because there are natural stages of growth. And no matter how awesome that new convert is, he's still a new convert. I think of, of celebrities who get saved. Uh, and, and what a terrible position to be in. Because you are famous and on a platform, but you're a baby Christian. And what a horrible, difficult situation. I remember a guy, anybody remember B.J. Thomas? Right? B.J. Thomas was, raindrops keep falling on my head. And just like the guy whose feet are too big for his bed. I, I, I'm going to stop singing. He does it a lot better than I do. <laughs> okay, He was famous for that uh, and other songs. He got saved, and he started doing Christian songs for a little while. And, and I don't know what happened. He fell off the, the radar. Uh, the last time I ever heard of him, he was coming into Spokane on a New Year's Eve to do a, a New Year's show at some hotel or something. And I'm going, I don't know what happened. I don't know, did he move backwards? Did he lose his footing? But I know he was plugged into front and center as the beginning of a brand new Christian, and that should not have happened. Uh, he, needed to be, he needed to have time to grow. He needed to have time to get a foundation. He needed all those things, uh, and, and he didn't have them. Not a new convert, lest he fall into temptation. I'm not saying that's what happened to Mr. Thomas, but, but something took him off center stage after he was there. Okay, 1 Timothy 3, verse 10, we move on from elders to deacons. Uh, deacon is another word that means servant. It's a direct translation of a word meaning servant. Uh, and it says uh, in chapter 
3, verse uh, 10. These men must also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. What he's saying, let them prove themselves. Don't throw people into positions of authority until they've had a chance to prove themselves. Let them demonstrate their growth that they've had. Don't take people who are mere infants and put them in. Allow people who have demonstrated the maturity in their growth to be in these positions, take those into these positions because they have demonstrated those things. There's a difference between those who need milk and those who need solid food. And our leaders are to be those who are on solid food and not on milk uh, is part of what he's saying. One more passage still in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22. Do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourselves free from sin. So if we, you know, if, if in a church we lay hands on someone too quickly, we take someone who is, not, who is not ready and we put them into that position, then we have a responsibility for the situation we have put them in that they're not ready for. And we look at all that and we have Paul saying, I wanted... To, to give you meat, I would have loved to give you meat, but I could not give you milk or meat. I had to give you milk because you were not ready, because they were not ready, because they would not grow with the milk. And so he says, I have to start with the foundational things again. Back in he Hebrews 5, it said the elementary principles, right? We have elementary school before we have high school, before we have college, before we have, you know, advanced degrees. You have to have the elementary things first before you can move on to the more advanced things. And it's very difficult because when I say these advanced things, I feel like I'm saying greater knowledge that you're not worthy of or not ready for. That's not it at all. It's not greater knowledge, it's application of knowledge. It's greater responsibility. That's what the meat is. It's, it's not knowledge, it's service. And Paul looked at the Corinthian church and he says, I don't know what to do with these people. I don't know what to, I have to start at the start. I have to start all over with you people because you are not ready for me to place you into service. I can't do it. That's what he's saying to these Corinthian people. And, and they were still not ready. How long should it take? How long should it take? I mean, I talk about the natural process of growth in, in infants, and we have, you know, we all know by this age the baby's supposed to be crawling. By this age, he's supposed to be pulling himself up. By this age, he's supposed to be, you know, doing this and supposed to have teeth and supposed and we all we have these charts and we compare and we all, you know, and the doctor, if we're not perfect on that chart, he tries to do something to shove us in there. And I'm going, hey, you know, we're different. <laughs> I will never be normal. <laughs> I don't care what the doctor does. I might be a normal corpse someday. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just the way it is. Uh, but, but we still, we have this idea that there is a natural progression and how long should things take? How long? So if it's physically true, why is it not spiritually true? And chances are, it really is. There are things that we should be seeing. So what is it that, what is the natural growth rate to take someone from an infant in Christ to being mature in Christ? Let me give you a number. The disciples walked with Christ for three years, and he sent them out to change the world. Now, is that guilt-producing? <laughs> I'm not trying to produce guilt, but I'm trying to give you a picture here. It's not supposed to be this huge, long, drawn-out process. It's supposed to be fairly quick. We're supposed to say, hey, I like this prayer stuff. What else can I pray for? Hey, I like this Bible. How can I make it mine? Right? Oh, I know. I'll start meditating on it. I'll start memorizing passages of it. Uh, or else we say, oh, well, do I have to? Can I be saved without memorizing verses? Can I be saved without reading my Bible? Well, yeah, you can. Why would you? 
Why would you? I want to be the least minimum Christian I can possibly be. Anybody want to follow me in that? Right? That, that actually was the first words out of my mouth. <laughs> I got saved this Sunday. I went back to the group the next Sunday. I said, okay, I'm a Christian, but I'm not going to be one of those Bible quoting guys. <laughs> and they kind of said, okay. <laughs> and, and God laughed. And now I laugh. I laugh at myself. It's like, you've got to be kidding. I'm so glad. Yeah, I've been singing this song in my mind. I put it in Annie's box. Anybody remember the song? I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. Uh, and it's, that's what even I can clap with. You know? so, <laughs> and I don't clap with songs, but, but I put it on our list. We'll be doing it one of these days. And uh, I'm so glad that Jesus not only saved me, but that he lifted me. Right? I'm so glad for what he's done in my life, but I can guarantee it wasn't me. Anyway, uh, Paul looked at the Corinthian church and he says, I don't know. You, you guys aren't ready. And they have no excuse. It's like this, you hear truth, you, apply, you, you accept truth, you apply truth. It's not, that's not rocket science. It's not a ton of, of difficulty and thinking and everything. Uh, if you fail to do that, you are still a baby, and it's your fault. It's your fault. If you, if you are a baby in Christ, unless you got saved very recently, in which case, congratulations, welcome to the family, right? And, and I have, this sermon is not for you. Right? The sermon is for the rest of us who ought to be growing and are not. And, and, and if you fail to do that, you're still a baby and you have no excuse. Because even if I do my job badly, even if, if the others around you do your job, their job badly, you still are personally responsible for your actions and what you do and what you choose and how you respond to what God puts in your life. And he says in chapter 3, you are still fleshly, verses 3 and 4, back in 1 Corinthians. For you are still fleshly, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? And, and, and he says, you have the mind of Christ, but you live according to the flesh. And as I was, was working on this message, I thought of one particular boy at Awana, who will do anything except learn verses to get another piece of candy. <laughs> By, meaning nothing, nothing he's supposed to do, but everything he's not supposed to do. And he will lie, and he will cheat, and he will steal. Because he's got one clear priority, candy. Right? Uh, he's, he, he wants that candy. Uh, he is a child, and he's doing childish things. <laughs> Been there, done that, right? Uh, even a child, even in a child, we try for better. There's a verse I was going to use for the scripture reading. It says, even a child is known by his actions, whether his deeds are good and right. Would have been a great verse for this. But in my version, it read so differently, I said, never mind. <laughs> I went with grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because that's the answer, and we're going to come back to that. But, but we expect a child to be childish. It's like we, but even in a child, as he's being childish, we try to stop him from doing that. I, say, I look at him, I say, don't ever do that again. And the next week I see him, I go, don't ever do that again. <laughs> because he does it again. Because he wants the candy. That's his life. Now, what do adults do? This is, this is, I want to show you how shocking and striking the contrast is. By adults, I'm talking about what I'm going to define as responsible adults. And you may, you may have trouble with this. Because I'm describing right now what our Awana leaders do. 
including myself, and you go, you call yourselves responsible adults? I've been to Awana. You're a bunch of kids, right? Uh, and, and And that's true, but the adults are providing the candy that we use to motivate the kids to learn. What a contrast. Give me more candy. Here's why I'm giving you candy, right? What a contrast. The grown-ups and the children. Spiritual life. We're to be the grown-ups. We're to be the grown-ups. We are to be those who give and sacrifice of ourselves for the benefit of those who need it. That is what the grown-ups do in Christianity. And the children in Christianity say, give me, give me, give me. I want, I need, give me. Don't be the children, be the grown-up. This is not, this is, like I say, it's not, not rocket science. The, the, the mind of flesh lives for the things of flesh and refuses to grow. Okay, the, the mind of the spirit says, I'm going to use these things of the flesh to entice the flesh to the things of the spirit, to help others grow. Right? That's the difference between the mind of the spirit and the mind of the flesh. Their lack of growth, the Corinthians here, their lack of growth is demonstrated by their bickering over petty things. Right? In their case, these petty things are who, is the, who has the best leader. I follow Paul, I follow Paulus, I follow Peter. My dad can beat up your dad. Right? Been there, done that one too. You know, which most of us did that at kids, as kids, I think. Maybe it was a thing of my era. Maybe kids don't do that anymore. But I knew my dad could take the Tucker's dad any day. <laughs> right? It was like, you got to be kidding. Your dad, my dad can whoop your dad. Uh, but a time goes by, which even if you believe it, even if you still believe it, over time, as I got a little older, I started to wonder, could dad take Tucker's dad? <laughs> but even if you still believe it, you got the biggest, baddest dad around, at some point you stop saying that because you realize you look kind of foolish when you do, <laughs> right? These guys are still saying it. Oh, yeah? Well, my dad can beat your dad, so i got a better leader than you do, and, and, and it's kind of, kind of foolish. And it's not that there aren't things worth fighting over. They're bickering, and they're being petty, and they're squabbling, uh, and, and there's a bickering and jealousy, not the, not the issue. The, 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 the leaders is how their bickering and jealousy presented itself at their time, but it's the bickering and jealousy that showed they were children. And if they weren't bickering and jealous over that thing, they would have been over something else. It demonstrated they were childish. They were fighting over petty things. And it's not that there aren't things worth fighting over. There are issues worth fighting for, but the mature fights only for those things that are worth fighting for. Okay, uh, there's a prominent radio pastor. Let me start with this. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by the, the, the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Okay? In other words, what are we supposed to do with the scripture we are supposed to, among the things we're supposed to teach, we're supposed to give instruction, but in the middle of that is correction and reproof. Right? In other words, scripture is given to do that, and we are supposed to do that with it. So when we see each other doing things unbiblical, we do see things doing things that are wrong, we are supposed to reprove or correct. Correct is easy. Oh, did you know you're doing this? Did you realize the scripture says this? You go, oh, I'm so sorry. But the guy who doesn't say, oh, I'm so sorry, you go, hey, shame on you. Bible says this, you're doing that, shame on you. 
right? Reproof. Scripture is supposed to be, there are things we're supposed to use Scripture for in the not quite so nice and friendly, you know, happy, cheery way. A prominent radio pastor said something, quote, this isn't his exact quote, something to this. He's, he's, he's got a few more years on him than I do. He says, over the years, I find there are fewer things I will fight over. But those things I will fight over, I will fight as fiercely as ever. I'm going, that's wisdom. What's he learned? He's learned the things that are worth the bother. And to discern them from the things that are not worth the bother. The, the, things, that will, the things that are petty from the things that are valuable. He's learned to discern the difference between those things. Okay, I, I have a few examples. Uh, Bible version you use. Don't fight over that. The Bible is the inspired word of God. Fight over that. Don't let anyone take that away. You hold your ground on that. Okay? Jesus' birthday is December 25th. Don't, don't, please, please don't fight over that. Jesus is the son of God. Don't, <laughs> you don't yield ground on that. Right? Uh, try this one. Uh, what day did Jesus die? You say, well, Good Friday. You can get in real issues over that, can't you, Dion? <laughs> because it's not hard at all to make an argument for Thursday when you look at the scriptures. And as you're looking at Thursday, it's real easy to say, you know, it might have been on Wednesday. But the fact that he died and was buried and rose the third day. You don't let anyone take that away. You don't allow anybody to squabble over that. You see, we have a difference between things we fight over and things we don't. Go to church. Many believers have said, you know, going to church thing is not that important. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to fight over that one. Go to this church? Well, yeah, I'll fight over that. No, I won't. <laughs> it's, that's not the issue, right? And we, we are, start to understand the difference between that is important and that which is petty. And, and the mature is, discerns the difference between what is important and petty. And he gives them this condemning statement. You are acting like mere men, right? For since there is, you are, for you are still fleshly, since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and are you not walking like mere men? Last week, if you weren't here last week, you missed this. We have the mind of Christ. We have the spirit of Christ. We are more than mere men. We have something they don't have. But when we live as if we don't have what they don't have, we're acting like as if we don't have it. And we are saying our priorities are still fleshly. It's still based on the things of this world. It's still based on the things that are limited by this world and the rewards of this world. And we are not spiritually minded because we're living as mere men. We have not discerned what is important and what is not. He says you're, you're behaving like mere men. You can say, well, of course I'm acting like a, per, a mere man. I'm a human. That's all I am. I'm not more than human. And the answer is, no, you're not. I mean, yes, you are. i got to say, say it right. Is, is you are not a mere mortal. You are more than mere mortal. You are a supernatural being with greater goals and purposes and ends. You have the mind of Christ. You are better, and God expects you to do better. When you are fleshly, when you are petty, even though you have the mind of Christ, 
You are not using it, and even though you have the ability to do better, you are a mere man, mere human. So, do you feel like I'm speaking to you? If so, I'll tell you why. Because you have the mind of Christ, and the Holy Spirit is speaking through God's word to God's child. Okay? It's not uncommon for people to say something like, wow, I felt like he knew what I was doing this week. <laughs> or, and, I, and the answer is, no, I don't. But God does. God speaks through his word to his people. Right? There's a reason we come here. Okay? Uh, but let me turn to first, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. And, and for the scripture reading, we had a, a little bit longer passage. But it's just the verse 18 that I want to look at. Peter closes his book with this statement. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Good news. God does not condemn you. If, 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 if you hear me speaking to you, if, if that's what you feel, if, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, God does not condemn you because he finds joy in condemnation. God is reproving you to bring about change. And, and if he does that, it's because you can change. You are not stuck where you are. Are you struck with the realization, as I say these things, that you're a baby Christian? The Bible gives a solution. It's really complicated. He says, grow. <laughs> that's, that's the solution. You haven't grown? Well, then grow. And, and you go, well, I don't know how to do that. Of course you do. He says, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something God does. And this is not theory. This is practice proven again and again and again. God brings into your life opportunities to grow. Amen? Amen. <laughs> And a lot of times, they're not fun. Amen? <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. You tell God, God, I'm ready to grow. God, I want to grow. And guess what you're inviting into your life? <laughs> yes, I like the way you said that. Inflection was perfect. It's not always difficult, by the way, <laughs> but often it is, and he gives you opportunity. God will plant a growth opportunity in your life. Now, when it happens, at that point, you need to decide how you're going to respond, because if you have been an, a baby Christian, if you have been running from responsibility, you have trained yourself to do that. You have trained that, that that is your natural reaction is, no, I'm going to find a way to get away from this. Okay? And you need to overcome that. You need to overcome that. And it's, you know, it's, it, once, once you've learned to do it, it's easier, but you still, <laughs> I'm not going to say, I certainly am not going to hold myself up as an example who always embraces growth opportunities. But you train yourself to respond a certain way, and it's hard to overcome that initial response that you've trained yourself to do. So, so here, th this, is, this is one of the most practical applications you'll ever hear from a sermon from me besides get saved, is is this week, ask God to give you opportunities to grow. And this week, when he gives you opportunities to grow, embrace it and grow. 
and grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I ask for each one of us, I ask that you do exactly what I just said, that you, for each and every one of us, give us opportunities this week to grow. And Father, as we see them, let us recognize that that is what this is, and let us respond by embracing what you have brought into our lives and growing and becoming the mature, godly Christians you want us to be. Father, I ask for each one of us that we be uh, eaters of meat, that we eat the food that you give us, not dodge and hide behind milk. And I thank you for the goodness and the richness of milk and praise you for the opportunity we have to share that as well. But I ask that you would bless us with growth. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.